Finest Radio Show is prepared by Brent and Scott Polis, who are registered portfolio managers with Hollis Wealth, a division of Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc. This radio show is not an official program of Hollis Wealth. The views, including any recommendations expressed during this show, are those of Brent and Scott Bullis alone and are not endorsed or approved by Hollis Wealth or Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc. Hollis Wealth is a registered trademark of Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc. Hollis Wealth is a division of Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc., a member of Canadian Investor Protection Fund, CIPF, and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. And now, the Investment Strategy Show, a special financial broadcast on TSN 1260. Good morning and welcome to the Investment Strategy Show for this first weekend in August. I'm Adam Pfizer, alongside Scott Bullis. And in some sad news, we did want to mention to all our listeners out there that the month of August will be the last month of the Investment Strategy Show. Brent started this show over 25 years ago and there's been some great memories, different formats, but the show is just drawing to an end simply because we feel that our time is better spent with clients, helping with their money problems than on the air. We hope to have plenty of you call in, talk to us anytime, and to come talk to us about money whenever you feel like it, but this will be the last four shows that we ever record. So with our focus now at the end, we are going to look at long-term educational segments. We're going to focus a lot more on behavior and things you can do, whether with us or on your own, to really make investing uh, better for you and produce better results. And with that in mind, this week's show, we're going to start out with our market recap in segment one, as we always do, but then we're going to talk about investment behaviors, why a good advisor usually has clients that don't like them, and then finish by talking about emotional investing and why it's so bad and some of the things we do at the Investment Strategies team to overcome it and some of the things you can do on your own to also overcome that emotional hurdle. But to get started, Scott, what's the big news this week in the markets? Well, the trade war continues to be the top of economic news uh, across the world, uh, as it has been really for most of this year. So this week saw a few significant developments in the global trade war. Uh, Tariffs on an additional 16 billion worth of goods went into effect this week in both the U.S. and China, completing the first 50 billion tariff round by each country. President Trump has instructed the U.S. Trade Representative, Robert Leitner, to increase the tariff amount on 200 billion worth of Chinese imports from 10% to 25%. These tariffs are not due to go into effect until September, but the increase in tariff rates shows an escalation in the dispute. In response to the escalation in tariffs, China announced on Friday that it will be implementing tariffs on an additional 60 billion of U.S. goods, with the tariffs ranging between 5 and 25 percent. The Chinese Minister of Economic Development stressed that China did not want to impose new tariffs, but felt that they had no choice and that it was a matter of defending China's dignity. And that's really problematic, Scott, because when you start using the words like dignity, it's clear that this is now getting very personal. And when you get into a personal grudge match between the Chinese President Xi and the U.S. President Trump, that doesn't mean they're necessarily thinking rationally about how this is going to work, rather than they're thinking who's going to win. And of course, both men are well known for not liking to lose and willing to pretty much take as much pain as they can to force the other to capitulate. So now you have two tight heavyweights going at it who don't care about the economic damage as much as they might care about looking like they won in the end. That makes it really hard to get out of this. If both guys are willing to give a little bit up to compromise, then you could see a way out. But if both teams are determined to simply win the day, it's hard to see how you can actually end the fight. And to really cap off the week on the trade news, 
one of the worst things that could have happened came out. Uh, the U.S. Commerce Department reported on the trade deficit surplus for the United States for the first six months. And unfortunately, that trade deficit that the U.S. runs with the rest of the world grew. It also grew with China. So now, through this first six months of the year, first half of the year, the trade deficit with China for the United States is now at $200 billion. If that pace continues, that would be the all-time high in terms of a trade deficit between the two countries. You can bet that the President Trump White House is well aware of this data and is going to be tweeting about it all weekend, talking about how the tariffs have to be the first step because you can't keep losing, to use his term, on the trade deficit and surplus. This is going to have a real negative impact on the markets as we move forward and out of earnings season. So that was the big international news. The big news here in Canada, uh, which to be honest, was a fairly light week on big, on big notional news, was that Kinder Morgan moved forward with the Trans Mountain Pipeline submitting their summer construction plan. They were already building the pipeline, but now they're going to escalate those efforts through to the end of September. And they also said that the pipeline is on pace to be completed by the fall of 2019. This is great news because, of course, if you're a taxpayer in Canada, we now own this pipeline. And it looks like, for once, it might actually get done on time and on budget. Naturally, I'm pretty suspicious. I think we all are whether that happens. Major construction projects rarely come in on time and on budget, but at least we are moving forward and seeing progress. So with the trade war news, but not a lot of Canada-specific news, we saw the TSX actually fall this week by 0.13%, and the TSX Venture go down by 0.57%. Scott, what was some other big news in the U.S. this week? Well, the big market news this week in the United States was the earning results from Apple. Although the company sold 300 million fewer phones than was expected, the average selling price of each phone rose to over $700 U.S pushing the shares over the one trillion mark and reversing the steep declines that we'd seen in the technology space leading up to the announcement. And this really is, of course, the first company that has ever gone over the one trillion mark. And it is one of those landmarks that is incredibly important to investors across the world. This is breaking a new stratosphere for them. On the broader scale, the U.S. jobs numbers came in below expectations at 157,000 new positions created. However, wages ticked up another 0.3% for the month, and the unemployment rate dropped one-tenth of a percent, which brings it down to a remarkably low four. There are simply not many people left to hire in the United States now, small business in particular noticing this deficit, as for the third month in a row, small business owners saying that hiring new workers was their top concern. So overall in the market, it was really led by the Amazing news out of Apple, but uh, the Dow Jones finished barely above water at 0.5% up. The S&P 500 moved up 0.76%, and the tech-heavy Nasdaq rallied hard at the end of the week, finishing up 0.96% for the week. So it was a good week in the U.S. market. It certainly ended that way. It is worth remembering that, especially in the Nasdaq, uh, between Thursday, Friday, and then Monday this past week, they were down 4.1% in three days. Apple really did turn the tide. After the Facebook announcement the previous week, it really looked like tech was going to roll over. Apple kind of came in and saved the day. This has led to a lot of concern in the market that we used to have six companies leading the way forward, and it looks now we're down to four, as Facebook and Netflix have both fallen off and fallen off fairly dramatically. And it really starts to question how tight can we get. The big news out of Asia, in addition to the trade war, uh, was that the central bank, the Chinese central bank, once again stepped in to try and prop up their currency. 
So the Chinese currency had fallen to a 14-month low, but then on Friday, the announcement was made that the Chinese government would require all financial institutions to hold a 20% hard currency. In other words, 20% of their reserves had to be in yuan. And this meant that they had to go out and buy a lot more yuans. And this is what pushes your currency up, is people out in the marketplace sucking it up, trying to buy it. This did stem the flow. Their losses that had been reported earlier in the session reversed, and the Chinese dollar actually went up on Friday for the first time. This is very important both for the local economy, but also for the trade war. One of the reasons why the U.S. is interested in raising the tariff level from 10% to 25% is that the Chinese currency has fallen about 8% in the last four months. If your currency is down 8% and you only have a 10% tariff put on goods, well, it's only really a 2% tariff. It's the cost of the good is down 8%. So a lot of trade people are looking at the Chinese currency now and using that as a proxy for how the trade fight may go. It's it's very true, and it's one of the things that we know um, the Trump group has been really keen on and watching is they don't want the yuan to fall too far because that um, just makes the trade deficit worse in a lot of ways. The other issue, of course, is as there is more trade disputes around the world, that is strengthening the U.S. dollar, which is causing it to rise versus the basket of world currencies, which includes the Chinese currency. So it is one of these kind of cyclical self-fulfilling prophecies that's happening in the market. So for the week, uh, the Nikkei uh, in Japan moved down 0.14%. The Shanghai index was down 4.46%. And the Hong Kong market moved lower by 3.27%. The European stock 600, the broad European index, was also down by 0.59%. So in the international market, it was a pretty tough week. Exactly, Scott. And coming up in section two after the break, we're going to talk about some of the behavioral biases we see in investing that everyone sees in investing and why an advisor can help you overcome that. Because when markets start to go down, when things start to get choppy out there, that's when you could really use a professional in your corner. You're listening to the Investment Strategy Show with Brent and Scott Bullis, a special financial broadcast on TSN 1260. We'll get right back to it after this. The Jason Greger Show. Paul Hamilton, Buffalo Sabres reporter. This would seem like a, a really good trade for the Sabres as long as they re-sign Skinner long-term. Do you expect that that will happen? Even if they don't, they gave up a prospect in Cliff Pooh, and they gave up three picks, none of them first-round picks. So let's say you can't sign into a deal. Maybe you just turn them over at the trade deadline. The Jason Greger Show, weekdays from 2 till 6, presented by Grand Villa Casino on Edmonton Sports Leader, TSN 1260. The source is the place for fun summer tech, like headphones so you can tune in or tune out on summer road trips, or wireless speakers that turn the weekend barbecue into a neighborhood party, and cameras to prove once and for all that you did make that 30-foot cliff jump, even if it did take you 10 tries. Summer is always better with great tech from The Source. Right now, shop our amazing selection of top brand speakers, headphones, tablets, drones, and more. The Source. I want that. Homeownership takes flight at Aloft Tamarack. There's a lot to love about Southeast Edmonton's newest condo, including a rooftop patio, a community garden, and a designated space for pets. Aloft offers nine brand new floor plans with one bedroom starting from the 160s and two bedrooms from the 240s, plus elevated upgrades like vinyl plank flooring, quartz countertops, and stainless steel appliances. It's condo living elevated. Register today for exclusive pre-sale incentives at AloftTamarack.com. Mobile Stations Canada, launch commercial, take one. Mobile Stations are coming! Actually, Mobile Stations are already here. Two, 
Canada. Got it. With Synergy by the Tankful. That's Synergy Gasoline. It's engineered to help improve fuel economy. Score points. Go team. Actually, you can earn PC Optimum points. Find a station at Mobile Fuel Car. That's mobilefuel.ca. Ah, thank you. No, thank you. Visit a new Mobile Canada station near you. Synergy Fuel. PC Optimum points. Good fueling. Fuel economy improvements are compared with gasoline meeting minimum government detergency standards. Actual results will vary. Conditions apply. Visit SO.ca for details. Welcome back to the Investment Strategy Show, a special financial broadcast on TSN 1260. Here's your financial coaches, Brent and Scott Bullis. Welcome back to the Investment Strategy Show this Sunday morning. I'm Adam Pfizer alongside Scott Bullis. In our second segment this week, we're going to be talking about coaching behavior. Essentially why even good investors can really use a great advisor. And the first thing to understand is that a great advisor is not necessarily someone a client loves. A great advisor is someone who you can get upset with because they're telling you to do what you have to do, not what you want to do. So Scott, what are some of the topics that advisors often have a conflict with their clients about? Well, one of the things that I found over the years is the great savers out there generally want to continue saving. And the people that are great consumers want to, uh, want to continue consuming. It is hard to get people to adjust their lifestyle. And, and that's one of the things that great um, advisors do is they help you understand where you are, what your situation is, build a financial projection with you, and tell you the behaviors that you need to take on to achieve the goals that you set out. And so that can be the amount that you need to save in order to maintain your lifestyle. It's how to avoid lifestyle creep so that when you get a raise, do you really need to start spending 3% more or can you use that money to build uh, your nest egg so that in your retirement ages, years, you can keep the lifestyle that you've started to develop? That's a great point, Scott. And one of the things that's important for listeners to remember, most people have an idea that their savings goal should be around dollar amount, 500 a month, 1,000 a month, 1,500 a month. It really shouldn't be. Your savings goal should be about 20% of your after-tax income, depending on your age. I'm not coming up with that number. That's actually from the book, The Millionaire Next Door. Uh, one of the interesting facts about this book is it was incredibly popular. It talked a lot about how almost anyone with an income could become a millionaire next door, as the book would say. But people really turned on the book quickly when it became clear that if you had a high income, he expected you to save a tremendous amount of money. And the reason was, is he simply said that high income earners generally retired younger and had a lifestyle that was much higher than other people. And of course, if you want to retire for more years and spend more money in retirement, you have to save more money. So when you're thinking of how to set up your savings, don't think of it as 100 or 500 or 1,000. Think of it as a percentage of your income and start with at least 10 and try and work your way up. The next thing that advisors and clients often have in a discussion, one of the questions we get all the time, is when is it time to take CPP or OAS? Absolutely. Uh one of the instincts most people have and is I paid all this money into the government. I want to be able to start taking it as soon as I can. That way I can make sure I get the most of it. In fact, we had a client in today and that was their concern is they wanted to make sure they got the most out of their CPP. And because of that, they wanted to take it earlier. Well, in fact, if you are going to, if you live past 80 years old, the way to get the most value out of your CPP is actually to delay it. Um, the government has heavily stacked the increases in CPP that you get by delaying it to encourage you to delay it and therefore get more money for the rest of your life. 
And we don't just mean delay it till you're 65. We actually recommend to many clients that they delay it all the way till they are 70 years old. Now, this is one of those things where you're thinking, well, that just sounds like good advice, but I can tell you many people would much rather hear that they can go ahead and just take the money. Everybody wants more money coming in. I want more money coming in. So a lot of advisors simply go with that. It feeds into what the client wants to hear, makes them happy. You don't have a conflict. A good advisor is someone who will stand up and say, you know what, it's less money now, but it guarantees you more money in the long run. And what advisors really stay up at night worrying about is what we call shortfall risk. It's the idea that you will outlive your money. Many people these days do not have a defined benefit pension. If you don't have a defined benefit pension, we really want you to get the most coming in from the government that you can so that you don't run out of money. The next conflict we often see with clients is retiring early or do I have to stay, stay at work longer? Scott, how does an advisor have to handle this tricky question? Well, I can tell you how we handle it. Um, we make sure that they understand the exact numbers. And, and I think that's where a strong financial projection really comes out is understanding that if you retire later, it means this much more that you can spend for the remainder of your life comfortably and securely. Uh, if you choose to retire early, that's possible, but here's the lifestyle that you can have in retirement. And I think it's understanding the trade-off and letting the client know what they can do. Um, and then once you've got a plan, make sure that they learn to stick to it and review it on a regular basis so that they're keeping up with their plan. And the other big thing to remember when it comes to the retiring early comment is please, please be very realistic in terms of how much you are actually going to spend in retirement. Uh, we have many clients come in and claim that they will spend 50% less money every month than they currently do while they're working in retirement. We've both been doing this a long time. All the time I've helped people manage their money, I can tell you I've rarely, if ever, seen someone spend less money in retirement than maybe 70% at the most, and usually it's about the same. Think about it. You're retired now. You have a lot of time to fill. When you have time to fill, you usually go out and do things. You take up hobbies. You entertain yourself. You also travel more. All of this costs a lot more money than working used to. Yes, you might save a little on wardrobe. You might save some on commuting. But realistically, your expenses rarely go down that much in retirement and you keep wanting to spend. So people come in and say, I want to retire early. It's fine. I'll only live on 3000 a month. And you like, and you just realize that if you're currently spending seven, three becomes a problem. One of the other risks you get is the opposite side is people think they'll save less because they know they're going to work to, or are willing to work till 65. But then what they find out is that they are downsized, packaged, whatever it is, and they don't actually have or injured or health. They don't have the capability to work to 65. And so they find themselves without the income that they were expecting at 60 years old. And that also is one of the reasons why we make, want to make sure that when you build your plan, you build it for the contingencies that are possible. And statistically, it is actually quite common not to be able to continue your work at your full pay till 65. And this is just it, Scott. A simple question like, should I retire early or not? Just took us over two minutes of explaining without a client in front of us. The advantage of having a good advisor is you have someone lay out all the options for you, go through them with you, and force you to think about each one. What are the outcomes you're really worried about? What are the outcomes you're okay with? That's what a great advisor does. He's not an advisor. You come in and say, I want to retire. And he goes, great, let's retire. He's going to challenge you. And this behavior coaching, it turns out, is often seen as the most important, most valuable thing an advisor provides to clients. Vanguard, a large, uh, a large broker house in the U.S., talks that says that behavioral coaching actually adds more 
to their clients' value than anything else we do, more than asset rebalancing, more than regular rebalancing, more than asset allocation, and certainly more than the advice of picking individual stocks. Coaching adds about 1.5% to the average investor's return on an annual basis. That's what you need is a good advisor who helps produce better long-term results. When we get back in Section 3, we're going to talk about emotional investing and how a good advisor who's less emotional about your money usually gets better returns. You're listening to The Investment Strategy Show with Brent and Scott Bullis, a special financial broadcast on TSN 1260. We'll get right back to it after this. Get sidelined by TSN 1260 all year long. Catch the TSN 1260 Sideliner, hitting Edmonton's best community and sporting events. We're handing out cool swag in a white 2018 GMC terrain from Northgate Chevrolet Buick GMC. Everywhere you go, keep your eyes peeled for the TSN 1260 Sideliner. Powered by Fatburger, the Ranch Golf and Country Club, and Northgate Chevrolet Buick GMC. From Edmonton's sports leader, TSN 1260. Presenting the tippy top of the Glassmaster's man pile, Miles. We've got the best customers in Canada, so we decided to reward you with the fastest prize. Go get a free quote online now, and you're instantly entered to win a trip for two to the U.S. Grand Prix in Austin, Texas. Air Hotel Transportation Grandstand Passes, Champions Club Access, Behind the Garage Tours, and more. Get in the fast lane and get your quote online now at GlassmastersAutoglass.com. GlassmastersAutoglass.com. Show us your crap. Wing, 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 wing Wednesday at first round. Whether you're coming for the first round, the last round, or a few rounds in between, they've got you covered with Half Price Wings every Wednesday night. Half Price Wings. Over 35 delicious flavors like Cajun salt and pepper, maple bacon, and inferno wings. Now half price every Wednesday night. Wash them down with a cold pint of Canadian or Coors Light for only $5.75. Half Price Wing Wednesdays at first round in West End and now downtown. First round, burgers, beer, sports. Next stop, mm -mm, Meatville. Halfords invites you to a world-class barbecue in your own backyard. Get serious about grilling with the Pit Boss 820 Deluxe Wood Pellet Grill, now only $725. And right now at Halfords, every Pit Boss comes with a free protective Pit Boss cover. Hurry into Meatville before this offer expires and load up on hundreds of herbs, spices, sausage, and jerky seasonings. Halfords, one block north of Yellowhead Trail off 89th Street. Welcome back to the Investment Strategy Show, a special financial broadcast on TSN 1260. Here's your financial coaches, Brent and Scott Bullis. Welcome back to the Investment Strategy Show uh, for this first weekend in August, a long weekend. So what we're going to talk about in the third segment is another one of these uh, important lessons that we've learned of from 25 years of doing this show, meeting with clients, talking to people, and the reoccurring themes that we sit there and go, if there is just a handful of things we could make sure everybody out there understood about investing, what would they be? And this next one is the power of regret. Uh, and it's an incredible impact on people's investing habits over their lifetime in many ways. So the reason why regret is such a powerful emotion in investing, even more so than some of the more popular terms like fear or greed, is that regret really does play into both sides of the equation. We regret when we sell a stock and it keeps going up. We regret when we buy a stock and it keeps going down. And we regret when we don't buy something and we then turn around and realize it's gone up a whole bunch. So 
On the downside, what regret really causes is what we call get evenitis. It's this condition where you buy a stock, it falls, and it almost doesn't matter how much it falls by, and suddenly you're thinking, as soon as that gets back to where I bought it, I will sell it. You're in no way thinking this is still a good company, that you still have good earnings, their prospects look fine still. That is not your rationale. Your rationale is just, I don't want to lock in this loss. Loss aversion is very real for investors. Losses hurt twice as much as gains. Since I'm not locking in the loss, I'm going to get even, and then I'm going to get out. This is a really bad idea. Naturally, we should be comparing investments to, uh, if I had money today to invest at this time, would I buy the stock I have? Or would I buy something else? And if you'd buy something else, you'd be better off selling the stock you have and moving your money over. No, that's exactly right. And that's one of the core mantras for our investment philosophy at the investment strategies team is not, is it a good holding? Is it still going to go up? Is it going to go down? It's if I had that money fresh now, where would I put it? And I think that's an incredibly important one to do. Um, the next one we, we want to talk about is sometimes called FOMO. And that is the upside of it, which is the fear of missing out. And that's when you hear about a friend, a neighbor, even just articles on the news saying, wow, this area has gone up so much, whether it's tech recently, whether it's marijuana stocks in Canada, whether it's oil again recently in Canada. And you hear about a friend at the barbecue who has doubled their money or is up 50% and you go, oh my gosh, I've got to get into, into that as well. The issue is... Generally speaking, by the time you're hearing it about it at barbecues, it's the lead topic on BNN. It's a first article on CNBC. That's often when the professional um, analysts and investors are saying, it's time to get out. It's had its run up. And this is the point to jump out. It's also worth noting, of course, when a stock goes up, and Canadian marijuana companies are maybe the best example of this. It really was seen back in the fall earlier this year, if you didn't buy a marijuana stock, you were essentially a sucker. Everyone knew they were going to go up forever. And even though they were already up six times, that just meant you had to get in now to double your money. This was your one chance in a life to get rich. And this is sort of a recurring theme within these manias, within that fear of missing out, is that you know someone who's tripled, quadrupled their money, and you are now going to look foolish. You're going to regret not buying that stock. And of course, the problem is, is when a stock's gone up that much, you have one sort of tepid earnings call. You don't even have to miss big time. But if your stock is up 100% and you disappoint investors, they will immediately sell your stock and sell it hard. The recent examples, Facebook, 24% in one day. Netflix, 18% in one day, is now down 21%. Now, Netflix had doubled, more than doubled actually, going into earnings. But lots of people had bought it in the last month, month and a half. That's actually when volume was the highest. And those people are now all down 10%. And the question to ask is, do I really think Netflix is the best place for my money, like we talked about, or am I just holding on to get even? But it's really tough to sit there and go, well, I know Bob bought in four months ago. He's still up 80%. I don't want to sell, but you might have to. Now, how do we overcome this emotional bias at the investment strategy team? There's multiple ways. First of all, we have two people we talk to. It's called Scott, Adam, and Brent. And the three of us discuss all these things. And that really helps to offset my personal emotions or Scott's emotions. The next way is that we really do try and set ideas in our minds as to where we think the stock's going to go. If we think the upside is 2% and the downside's 10, we will simply sell the stock and move on. If we think that we're wrong, the stock has dropped 10% from where we bought it, okay, we will sell the stock and move on. We don't want to be wrong. We don't want to sell losers, but you have to have a stop line where you just admit that your thesis was incorrect and you move on with the money to something that's going to be doing better. 
We also use a number of quantitative tools, um, soft, both software tools and in-house tools that take the emotion out and just are purely based on math and numbers. And they're a great way to counteract this as well, to look at it and say, hang on a second, you know, our system told us that this is a target price we should reach, we're getting there, or it's told us that it's starting to roll over, or there are other options that give better upside. And so we use both our knowledge and experience, but quantitative tools which help remind us and make sure that we don't let our emotions get the better of us. And of course, it is a little easier for us. One of the advantages of having an advisor is it's not my money. And because it's not my money, I have less of an emotional attachment to it. I love our clients. Many of them are delightful to hang out with, and I love talking to them and helping them out. But the fact is, is I'm much more neutral about this. I just want to make as much as I can, and I don't care so much about whether you liked that stock or whether that stock has meaning to you. And that's a huge advantage. An advisor is going to be removed from your cash. So it's more of just a screen with numbers on it to me, which sounds kind of callous, but I can tell you helps to produce better results. It, it does. A lot of investors get emotionally attached to specific companies that have made them money in the past. Um, for us, it really has to be a ticker symbol, and which goes back to that first um, core baseline that we always follow. Is this where I'd put money now? Well, I think we're coming to the end of the segment today. I want to thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Investment Strategy Show and the last 25 years. In the meantime, if there's anything you would like to ask, if there's bits that we've discussed that you think are interesting, please give us a call at 780-944-2700 and we'd be more than happy to continue the dialogue face-to-face. -face. You can also learn more about our team and how to contact us at www.investmentstrategies.ca. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend, everyone. This radio show is prepared by Brent and Scott Bullis, who are registered portfolio managers with Hollis Wealth, a division of Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc. This radio show is not an official program of Hollis Wealth. The views, including any recommendations expressed during this show, are those of Brent and Scott Bullis alone and are not endorsed or approved by Hollis Wealth or Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc. Hollis Wealth is a registered trademark of Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc. Hollis Wealth is a division of Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc., a member of Canadian Investor Protection Fund, CIPF, and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. Brent and Scott Bullis have been your host of the Investment Strategy Show. Join them again next Sunday morning at 8. The Investment Strategy Show is a paid commercial broadcast and does not necessarily reflect the views of TSN 1260 or Bell Media.